Sam, so let's first talk big picture here. Asset allocation and your team's advice for how to build a portfolio in this environment. Walk me through it. Uh, I see you guys are a little bit different from just a classic 60-40. Well, we're still uh, emphasizing equities at this point, but we do think that uh, we hit a level of uh, extreme recently and that investors will be going through some volatility. Obviously, the volatility both up and down, because while the market is uh, risk on today and the last couple of days, we still think that it might have to retest the pullback bottom that we saw earlier last week. Um, our belief is that um, you know we're likely to see more volatility between now and election day, uh, and so as you were reporting earlier on, you know bonds do offer that support uh, whenever the market does sell off. So we're keeping our powder dry a bit, 10% in cash, uh, along with the. Uh, 25 or so percent in uh, fixed income. And the emphasis is primarily on the U.S., but we do believe that with a weaker dollar, we could see a reversion to the mean start to take place with the developed and emerging markets as we move into 2021. Sam, within the category of U.S. equities, does one have to be more specific now when there's such bifurcated returns uh, over this past six months? I mean, tech is one beast, and within tech, the ties, the gold, the correlations to some of the other asset classes, and then in the other corner, the cyclicals and the small caps seem like they're like the only diversifier in the market right now where they do very different things. Well, what's interesting is that since the March 23rd bottom, the S&P 500 gained 60% through September 2nd, which was the second best post-bear uh, post market jump uh, over that similar period, going back all the way to 1932. Uh, and that 60% was twice as strong as what we saw on average in those initial bull markets. Uh, when you talk about growth and value, I monitor a rolling 12-month differential between the S&P 500 growth, the S&P 500 value, and we hit an all-time high on August 31, uh, meaning higher than ever since these indices were created in the mid 1970s. And with the most recent pullback, uh, we only got back to where we were in December of 1999. So from a growth value perspective, we are still quite at an extreme. But with interest rates being as low as they are and likely to be low for longer, meaning over the next couple of years, not just quarters or months, uh, it seems as if any opportunity to get back into growth, get back into tech, will be a good one. So we have overweight recommendations on communication services and tech, but from an offset perspective, we also have it on healthcare and consumer staples. So Sam, when you think about staples and you think about what in the market will maybe hedge some of the tech parts that have done so well, do the staples still work? I mean, last week I was seeing a lot of them getting hit next to some of the quarantine trades because a lot of these staples kind of became quarantine trades in a way. People were stocking up the cupboards with basic goods and cereals and Kellogg and everything, and they're all getting hit like tech. 
Right. Well, I guess the old adage is when the going gets tough, the tough go eating, smoking and drinking. And they've probably done that to excess. So maybe the health care will kick in. Uh, but I, I think that it's it's not just over the short term, but over the longer term. I did a study going back to 1990 when S&P started at sector level indices and found that a 50-50 portfolio of tech and staples provided the exact same compound annual growth rate as tech alone, but with 40 percent lower volatility. So not going to work all the time, but typically you don't want to ro retreat. You don't want to sell and go into cash. But if you can rotate and diversify some of the higher beta uh, sectors with lower correlations, uh, it might end up working in your favor. So, Sam, when you think about these relationships, you're basically saying, look, there is something that's happened over this quarantine period that is unique and maybe has distorted them, but they should get back in line with the historical reality. Yes. Um, even though Perry Mason might say you're leading the witness, I think actually that's a good assessment. Uh, first off, from a seasonality perspective, uh, September, October of the pre-election period typically is fairly uh, dramatic. Also, when we look at volatility, going back to World War II, the third quarter of the presidential election year had the second highest uh, beginnings of pullbacks, corrections, and bear markets. So it's not a period in which uh, the government tries to keep things calm and collected so that uh, we feel good going into the election. Typically, it's uncertainty that creates uh, the, these pullbacks and declines that we're in right now. So, Sam, how long should we give this, uh, you know, exit, kind of gradual but steady exit from quarantine, return to normal, to test how binding the relationships have been from these past six months because again we just had this very unique moment where the broader economy ground to a halt but certain companies that offered growth sucked up all the cash and the cash wasn't going elsewhere but there was still cash going to work fed keeping yields low people were piling in should that mean that there will be a kind of longer connection between some of these quarantine plays, whether they're, we're going to talk retail later on the show, the online retail plays, not just cloud stocks and Peloton, right? There's a lot of stuff that got wrapped up into this trade. Absolutely. And actually, uh, since September 2nd, uh, those of uh, those eight sub industries that did the best five were from consumer discretionary. So investors continue to rotate into those areas they think will be improving from the uh, massive sell-off that was experienced earlier in the year. I think that you know we end up going back to a seasonal rotation. Normally, November through April is the strongest six-month period when you find consumer discretionary industrials, materials, and tech do the best, whereas May through October, fairly defensive, healthcare and staples do very well well. But we're in a bizarro market right now where the reverse has taken place since the beginning of this year. Uh, but markets are pretty quick to uh, pivot. And as we saw, we experienced a 7% decline in only three trading days recently, whereas normally it ended up taking about a month to go from peak to trough in a pullback. So um, I wouldn't be waiting too long, but I believe that once the COVID uh, concern tends to evaporate uh, after the introduction of a vaccine, then I believe that we end up going back to a more normal seasonality. 
Sam, uh, the seasonality around the election tells us what? Just give me the quick rundown of what your history is uh, and your analysis of that history has shown. Um, history basically says that, surprisingly, energy and financials are the most consistent sector outperformers in the three months leading up to the elections. Uh, we also find that health healthcare does relatively well on average. Uh, but it really, I think, has to be more specific to the election itself. What are those factors that are going to be driving uh, the market because of the statements by the candidates themselves? Um, the belief usually is that a, a declining market tends to point to the the incumbent being replaced. Uh, so right now, with the market actually holding up relatively well, uh, I think the decision is still going to be made after the debates take place later this month. 